Hi, this is Brett Thornhill. And I'm Jenny Friedman. And you're listening to Technicolor Mindset. Hey, Jenny, how's it going? It's going great. Hey, Brett. Hey, it's good to be with you again. Oh, you too. Thanks. For sure. Welcome, everybody. And what do we want to talk about today? I have this idea of talking about confidence. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So what do you want to say about confidence? Well, I'm thinking about how many people have talked to me about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah, I do. I get that a lot. Well, I get that and I've had that. (laughs) (laughs) I spent a lot of my life with imposter syndrome. Okay. So maybe describe it for those people that don't know what it is. Well, I think what happens is, and I'll talk about it specifically as it related to my ADHD, because I think that's really where it stemmed from. We know that ADHD is a paradox, right? So you have these things that are strengths, and from time to time, you find these strengths, you tap into these strengths, and you can do things very, very well. And oftentimes, the things that you do very, very well are things that many people find very challenging. So that's really rewarding, and you can feel good about yourself. But then the paradox is that there are a lot of things that most people find relatively easy that we find really challenging. So what ends up happening is you can't be happy about those things that you're good at or your strengths because you keep your mind keeps going back to, well, if I can do this, then why can't I do these simpler things? Right. Why can't I organize my sock drawer if I can? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. So that's what it is. I mean, I, I think so. We don't put a lot of emphasis and it's hard for us to believe in our capabilities and focus, I guess, on those things that are our strengths and things that we do well when we're constantly reminded of those things that we struggle with, that are challenges for us. So you feel like you're not really who people think you are. Right, exactly. Because people will compliment you. People will you know, um, give you positive feedback about things that you do well. And in the back of your mind, you're going, yeah, but you don't know how many things I screw up. So over time, you get this feeling like, yeah, but you don't really know me. I have you fooled. Right. And I remember having this conversation with coworkers. I had this conversation with, uh, with friends and stuff and it's very real. I mean, it can be debilitating, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's also possibly sort of a rite of passage of growing up because I think so I think we all get this regardless. I mean, yeah, you know, it was very real for me when I first started working in, in adult land I was in a position with a company where I had expectations put on me that I wasn't so sure I could do, but it seemed like everybody else was pretty sure I could do it. And I was like, you guys have no idea. I don't know what is going on. Well, here's what I I used to say. (laughs) I'd get a job and then somewhere along the line, somebody would ask me to do something in the job. And in the back of my mind, I'd be thinking, what in the name of all that is good that I put on my resume that gave you any idea that I was capable of doing what you just asked me to do. So I'd usually say that in my inside voice. And yeah. then as I kind of elevated through the ranks and uh, got into management, I remember, you know, working for years in an organization and then eventually getting into management and finding myself in meetings that I had never been in before with people that I had never met with before and people who supposedly were the brain trust of this organization and people, you think that there's some kind of a secret. You know what you find out when you get into those rooms is you find out that the secret is there's no secret. <laughs> those right. people don't, they're making it up as they go along as well. So they're just the people, like you. They're just yeah. like you. You're in this room with people who you think, well, these are the smartest people in the organization. And, they're, and suddenly you find yourself going, they're making it up as they go along. 
Uh-huh. They're not, you know, they're no more sure of themselves than I am. They're just kind of brainstorming and tossing things out and making it, you know, tr- trying to find their path by walking on it and that sort of thing. So I think you're right. I think it is a bit of a rite of passage. And I think that as you proceed through your career and you advance through your career or even life in general, I think you find yourself in more and more responsible positions and over time, and for some people, this takes a long time. I mean, for some people, you're, you're in the rocking chair in, in the senior's home and you tell people the secret is that there's no secret, right? right. Yeah. And other times you find out a little earlier and hopefully you find out a little earlier. I, I, it's, it's wisdom that comes with, with time, I guess. Now, do I think that it's exacerbated a little bit when you have ADHD? Yes. And there's a reason why. I think when you think outside the box, when you're a divergent thinker, I think it gets exacerbated a little because you're not often on the same page with so many other people. Right. right. So you and I have talked about this before. I'm sure I've, I've mentioned to you like the whole fringe thing, right? The if fringe? The, yeah. If you're on the fringe, it doesn't matter why, why you're on the fringe. It feels just as lonely and just as isolating. So it's what I call my fringe theory. <laughs> and, um, like string theory, but it's right. It's like string theory. theory. Only do, yeah. It's oh, give me theory. fringe theory. I don't. I. I don't think I've ever heard your fringe. Theory. Oh my goodness! I'm sure we talked. Uh, well, it, maybe we haven't. I don't know. But I used this used to happen to me a lot. I'd find myself in a room with you know half dozen people or whatever kind of thing, and we're discussing an idea. We're brainstorming whatever it is we're doing, and I just think differently than everybody else around the table, and I have an idea. And I put the idea out there and it just sits and then it falls and the room goes quiet and there's not a sound I'm laughing and at nobody your pain. breathes. I was once told that I sucked the oxygen out of the room. No. I seriously was told. Yeah, I was told that once. Really? Yeah, really. Seriously. Uh, it took oh. a while to get past that one, but yes. I did. So that happens. And if you think differently than everyone else in the room, because you don't get what everybody else is getting, or if you think differently than everybody else in the room because you get something that nobody else in the room gets, the feeling of isolation is exactly the same on either end of that spectrum, right? And because we're not all narcissists, we don't immediately go to the idea that, well, I just understand something that you don't. I mean, that's not what we generally think. We always think that if, if our ideas fall dead, or if they don't, nobody responds, or if nobody gets it, or you know, we kind of go, did I explain it wrong? Am I the stupidest person in the room? We won't go to the place where we say, well, I could be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could be, you could be the smartest person in the room, right. but the, the feeling of isolation is going to be exactly the same. There's no difference. And so I think when that happens, we celebrate difference once it's been recognized and once it's been acknowledged, but difference in isolation is tough to celebrate. You really had to be conscious and mindful and pretty good. I use the term centered self as opposed to self-centered, right? Right. But see, that's, that's the thing about confidence is a lot of my clients come to me and they won't allow themselves to feel confident because they think that that's narcissistic and self-centered. And I speak to my clients about trying to embrace the idea of being a centered self as opposed to self-centered. So someone who is self-centered walks into a room and has to feel better than everybody else in the room. Someone who's a centered self walks into a room and feels confident by not having to compare himself to anyone else in the room at all. Yes. And I think that that's true confidence. That is. Because you're open-minded then. You're open-minded to other people's views, other people's ideas. You're in a learning mode, a constant learning mode, because you don't have to know it all to feel confident. I've worked with supervisors and managers in the past 
who felt that it was necessary for them to be better at the jobs of everyone that they supervised and managed. That's a lot of pressure. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. Surround yourself with people who are good at what they do and then let them, let them do it. That's what I always, I like that whole theory of surround yourself with people who are even smarter and better than you. Yeah. Because you will shine. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just by association yeah. and but allowing that, other people to be their best selves. Right. Yeah. But that takes an incredible amount of confidence. I mean, when you see someone who is pushing back on their staff, pushing back on people they work with, it, it generally comes from a place of insecurity. Yeah. And fear. You know, yeah. Right. Someone who's secure and who's confident generally tends to embrace people who think differently than them or, or maybe better at certain aspects of the job than them or, and they capitalize on those strengths and they say, well, this just makes the whole team better. Right. So back to fringe theory. Okay. So you're saying when you're the only one, you're on the fringe. Yeah. That's your yeah word for it. Yeah. And it's lonely on the fringe and it doesn't matter why you're on the fringe. There's no difference. Right. Right. So that goes back to stories, the stories we tell ourselves. Most of the stories we tell ourselves when we're on the fringe is, well, everybody else in the room is smarter than me because perception is reality, right? So if the perception in the room is that majority rules or that, um, you know, if you're a lone voice or a lone wolf, then you're not kind of complying with the way everyone else is thinking, then that becomes the reality. But it's nothing more than a story. Oh, yeah. I just saw this video on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. And it was about some social experiment that they did where they put everybody in a room. There was one person that didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was in on it, right? So you've got about 10 people in a room and a, they're in a waiting room. And in this office, like a, a tone would go off. Beep. Mm-hmm. And every time the tone would go off, everyone would stand up and then sit back down like really quickly. And so this one girl's watching people and then all of a sudden she starts doing it because to fit in. Right. So then one by one, they made everybody leave. She was the last one in the room. Would she do it if she was all by herself? Yes, she would. And on top of that, someone new came in who had no idea what was going on and he was watching her do it. And then he started doing it. And before you know it, they had 10 new people come in None of them were in on this. They were just all, I mean, what, the first guy goes, why are you doing that? And she goes, I don't know. Everybody else was doing it. So I started doing it. So then he was like, okay. So they started doing it. Everyone was doing it. Then there was this one guy who's sitting there, the last guy who came in. So now the room is filled up with 10 people again. Mm-hmm. And this guy's got a scowl on his face and he's looking at everybody like they're nuts. Like I'm not doing this. But after a couple of times, he was, even he was like, oh. so he got up and started doing right. it. Right. It, and it would be, it would be. again, is that powerful. And yeah. so that's, I think to your point of that's how powerful the feeling out of what's going on is. Yeah. There's, there's a, I think a, a, an instinctive need that most people have to conform, a, a, you know, an instinctive desire that they have to fit in. Well, that's what they were saying is it is in our biology to as social creatures, yeah. like it's, we're hardwired to group think and be in the group Yeah, and group up. But I think that there's an, 
I think you can empower yourself by embracing your individuality and individuality. Yeah, be your and, own and, group. Yeah, absolutely. And you, look, I worked in marketing for 20 years and you never brand a person, place, product thing. doesn't matter what it is. You don't brand something. You don't identify something. You don't define something based on its similarities with something else. You always use its differences. You know, if I'm going to brand a new tissue, then I'm not going to tell you that it's as good as Kleenex or it's, it's as good <laughs> as, you know, whatever I'm going to, I'm going to, it's got to be differentiating points, right? I did a workshop once, a marketing workshop where we all had to break up and we had to come up with a campaign for a three inch nail, just a three inch galvanized nail. That's it. So you've got to find differentiating characteristics of the three inch galvanized nail. Every three inch galvanized nail looks exactly the same, but it does you no good at all. If you start talking about all the similarities, you've got to come up with a way to differentiate it. That's the only way you can define anything is to differentiate it. Right. Okay. You, just, you, you can't do it any other way, right. but we don't do that with ourselves. We don't feel comfortable differentiating ourselves. Why not embrace our own differences and use that as our point of definition? And that's confidence. I think when you get to a point where you can do that, where you can be comfortable with your own differences and use your differences as a point of differentiation, I think that's true confidence. You've arrived. Well, no, I mean, I, <laughs> hell no, you know, but I'm better than I was. I'm more aware than I was. I'm more conscious than I was. Right. You know, I haven't cracked the code yet. <laughs> I don't know that you can. I don't know that because that is an incredibly powerful. There are circumstances, there are, are situations where I, I, I guess I've cracked the code where I'm comfortable with my differences. And there, and there are a lot more of those now than places where I'm not comfortable with my differences, you know? Right. And being well, comfortable, just being uncomfortable for a little bit gets you over the bumps. Well, that's what it takes. And understanding that that's a necessary step. So there's a progression toward confidence, whatever that is. I mean, okay, let's say confidence is just being comfortable with who you are. Okay. I, somebody, I think if you put 20 people in a room, they'd probably give you 20 different definitions of confidence, but they'd have to differentiate them in order to come up to a unique definition. Right. I think, you know, basically it's just being comfortable with who you are. And the, the real key to confidence is being comfortable with you are not in comparison to everybody else, but just being comfortable with who you are full stop. And that's rare. There's not a lot of people who feel that way in, in most situations. If you're listening to this and you're thinking confidence is something you want to work on, or if you're feeling that imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know that you're not as good as everybody thinks you are or something like that. What's one thing that they could do to help them down that road? I think realize that if, if, I mean, you just said something that really kind of stuck with me when you said it out loud, I realized, and I mean this in the nicest way, what a pure nonsense statement it is that you're not as good as everyone thinks you are. If everyone thinks you're good, you're good. <laughs> like perception's reality, right? Right. So if someone says you're good, then in, according to their perception, you're good at whatever it is they told you you're good at. So the, to argue that point, I mean, I, I, I know I've said this before on the show or on, you know, on one of our shows that for years, I, I found it really difficult to take compliment. If I played guitar, I found it difficult. Someone would tell me I, you know, I, I would play and someone would say, geez, that was great. We really enjoyed that. And I'd argue with them, <laughs> tell them they didn't know anything about music. I would really, I mean, it got to the point where my wife said, that's kind of rude. Yeah. If someone comes up to you and and pays you a compliment, just say thank you. Yeah. I found that really challenging. So maybe that's the exercise. Do that. 
and and progress and and allow yourself to progress. So for the first while, I couldn't just flat out say thank you. That seemed really self-centered and and that was too confident for me. So I had to f- put it in a sentence that was like, "Oh, thank you. That's very generous of you." Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. I, you know, or whatever. I mean, I had to kind of give it back to them and and kind of say, "Well, you know, you're being a little over generous, but okay, I'll take it." You know, so allow yourself that progression to get to the point where you can just say thank you full stop. Yeah. You know, and and realize that perception is reality here. So, who are you to tell someone <laughs> that they're wrong if they tell you you're good at something? But we do. Well, this is another point that I'm just going to throw out there. It really doesn't have anything to do with uh, confidence necessarily. But I will say, in accepting compliments, you're also giving the gift of letting the person feel good that they gave a compliment. Yeah. It is a cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's part of the cycle is to accept the compliment because now I've allowed you to give the gift of a compliment. Right. Right. When you when you stop that and prevent that, it does make the other person feel like they go away feeling poorly. They really yeah. do. Like they, they, it doesn't make them feel good. A while ago, I, I, I her name escapes me. I did a Facebook live on this a while ago, but uh, which is on on my coaching Facebook page. But there was an actress who won an Academy Award, and I remember watching her the next day. She was interviewed, and it it, it inspired me to do a Facebook live because she said humility is not, or self deprecation. I'm sorry. Let me start. Self-deprecation is not a substitution for humility. You can be humble without self-deprecation, right? But we right. don't. We tend to put ourselves down as a way to show that we're humble. Well, that's not really, you know, I mean, this lady had just won an Academy Award. Earlier in the year, she won a Tony Award. Uh, she had won a Golden Globe. She's 52 years old. And it was the morning after the Academy Award that she kind of went, okay, maybe I'm a good actress. Maybe I'm okay at this. Maybe I can start believing that I'm actually, she had now like a couple of Tonys, a Golden Globe and, <laughs> right. a, and an Oscar. And finally she goes, yeah, maybe I'm not an imposter. Maybe I actually can do this. Yeah. It took her 52 years to get there and three major awards to start believing it herself. Right. Right. Which is sort of sad. It is. It is. And that's the point she was making was like, don't let yourself. And we do, we go to that place where, oh, it's nothing. You know, when somebody tells us that we've done something well, you know, we, we don't want to acknowledge it in ourselves. So we don't feel comfortable in having it acknowledged by other people. It doesn't serve us and it doesn't serve the people around us. No, when I started looking at compliment as, as actually allowing by receiving, I'm allowing them to feel good. Start there. Cause honestly, you don't have to say a word, but thank yeah. you. Yeah. And if you, if it starts to feel narcissistic, it starts to feel as though you're you know you're getting a little too a little too drunk on your own wine, then just remember that there is a huge difference between being self-centered and being a centered self. And a centered self is someone who recognizes their talents and skills as readily as they recognize their challenges and their weaknesses. That's the distinction I make. I encourage people. I try to become a centered self, and I encourage people to try to become a centered self but I don't encourage people and I don't want to be self-centered. Oh, I have an exercise you can do. What's that? I share this in my coaching. So I call it putting your Marilyn on. Mm -hmm. So I remember reading that Marilyn Monroe was with this person, like an interviewing her. Mm -hmm. And they said, everywhere you go, you must get so much attention and everything. She goes, not really, not unless I put my Marilyn on. And they were like, what are you talking about? 
She goes, I'll show you. They went out in public and walked down the street and no one really noticed her. Right. And she goes, and now watch. And it was just like the way she held herself and just like with her head up a little bit and she just beamed and she just, you know, all of a sudden everyone was like, Marilyn Monroe, you know? And, (laughs) and so I tried it as a, like my own social experiment, right. On Mm -hmm. myself going to the grocery store. Not that people were like, Oh, Jenny, but I mean, everyone smiled at me. Mm -hmm. Whereas otherwise, you know, if you're not looking at people and engaged and walking with intention and like my head was up and I'm smiling and looking at people, I was getting back a huge reception of positive energy versus, you know, slinking into the grocery store, hoping no one noticed me. If you avoid the gaze of someone, they will avoid your gaze as well. If you engage someone, if you look someone in the eye, usually they'll look back. If you smile at someone, I mean, this doesn't, this is not hundred percent. Every once in a while you run into somebody who does not smile back, but the vast majority of people, if you smile, if you say hello, they will say, they'll smile back. And then you feel better. You give, right? Yeah. And you feel better. You feel good. You feel more powerful and confident. Yeah. And regardless of whether or not somebody reciprocates, the fact is that we have to realize that we can't control what others receive. We can only control what we put out. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to control what other, how other people perceive you and what they receive because that's on them. But what's on you is what you put out, the energy you put out, the, the confidence, for lack of a better word, that you put out. And confidence does not have to – I think, I, you know, if I was going to leave somebody with one thought, it's that confidence is not cocky. You don't have to be uh, arrogant to be confident. No, I think it's a difference. Yeah. I look at confidence as being a graceful acceptance. Yes, exactly. Of oneself. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's good. That's a good place to end it here. I think let us know if um, the imposter syndrome resonates with you out there. If you're hearing this and you're kind of going, oh, wow, I do that. Or if you've used self-deprecation in the past as a form of humility, or if you have difficulty accepting compliments, let us know. Tell us about it in the Facebook page. And they can get there, Jenny, by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash technicolor mindset absolutely so by all means uh throw a few comments into the uh, the facebook page and we love to hear from people who are listening to us and and check out our website get on the email list we have a lot coming soon yeah we do we're still working on some stuff um you know it's summer and summer slows things down but we're working on some things that we absolutely plan to have going in the fall, some coursework and, and that sort of thing. So we're really looking forward to that. You know, we'll be launching it when people are most ready to receive it. <laughs> yeah. I think. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Brad. It was good seeing you. It's good talking to you again. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>